Dynasty Kings, football by the numbers. Ain't nothing prehistoric about it. It's the fantasy land before time, man. Yeah, did. And we talking about them analytics. Yeah, I dig it. You know them digits, we fit it inside of sales. But thinking outside of the box when we did it, outside prevails. We got eight inside of the box, but we finished plenty to tell. So go ahead and plug in a pot and just listen. It's the dynasty. Velociraptors, it takes okay. dilapidated no way. Man, it's a rap, no debate. Hey. Breaking it down with a dynasty. Yeah. Often reside with a pylons yeah. beat. Often we talking about dynasty. Yeah. Rocking with me at the times you'll see. Yeah. Out of the pocket, online on me. Too much subjective is not for me. It's not for me. I'm rocking with the dynasty. Yeah. Dynasty. Locking the lineup and I don't need. Filming the fables, cause finally I got all the facts. No anomaly. Yeah. Let's get it. Y'all reach his T Rex at best. And I don't mean to go flex. I'm a dinosaurus to death. Yeah. Look, if you dino, you know. Welcome to the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Mike, let's ride. All right, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Kings. We took a little extended break there for the holidays. I am joined here by none other than Austin. You can find him on Twitter at Debbie Deets, the co-founder of Campus to Ken, my boss. So I didn't twist my arm to be here, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't coerced. Austin, tell us about yourself. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me on, man. I mean, you you pretty much uh, did me some pretty good justice there. Uh, yeah, Debbie Dietz on Twitter, all of my work over at CampusDeCanton.com. Um, and uh, I, I consider myself the person that discovered Mike. So uh, nice. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I was trying to get discovered. I would just tag everybody that had Debbie in their name. <laughs> no, that, no, hey, it worked. You're, you're, uh, we, we enjoy working with you. We enjoy having you. I like, I like talking to you every day. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be on the show. Yeah, you don't get tired of hearing that Tyler out here talking to Slack every day. Just can't wait till this guy's in the NFL so we don't have to talk about it anymore. I think it's that third round pick I'm talking about for next decade, guaranteed. That, that's fair. I think you, you earned that one. Yeah. I don't, want, I don't want to brag or anything, but I think I peaked recently in the Debbie community because I got Khalil Shakir's mom retweeting me two months ago. I got Tyler out here liking my tweet on Christmas Day. I just, I just, on I, Christmas Day? That's a big deal. You know, he could be with his family, with his friends, and instead he's liking your tweet. He took two minutes to read it, probably, yeah. at least. Might even be read it twice. He probably yeah. still reads it. I bet he's got a bookmark. He just brings it up when he's feeling a little, you know, a little blue, a little down. Right. Just re- read your tweet, and all's right in the world. Yeah. All right, let's 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 get into it. So uh, today's itinerary here, we, um, we're we going to talk about uh, bowl games, why they're important to the daily community, uh, and why you should be paying attention to what goes on in the bowl games. We're going to talk about first-year zeros. It's a... Um, I guess like a model that Austin has brought up about um, just kind of first year duds and, and their likelihood to uh, get back to relevancy. And then we're going to cap it off with the main portion of our podcast talking about the next man up. So we got these guys going to the draft. Who's going to fill in the, that void? Who's going to fill in that opportunity? Who's going to step up for these programs? So uh, let, let's get into it. Austin, why, why are bowl games important to you? Like to, important to Debbie? Yeah, I think that they kind of give us a glimpse into the future at times. I don't know what it's going to look like now. I mean, we've got all these opt-outs and things like that. But, um, I mean, uh, today, for example, Louisville playing Travion Cooley, true freshman running back there, uh, kind of stuck behind a couple other backs there this year. They're all either leaving or, or injured or opted out or, or whatever. And he had a, a great day. I mean, look, looked really, really sharp. A guy that I think a lot of uh, the Debbie community was kind of high on. So it just gives you that sneak peek, and you hope that some of these guys can take this momentum take it into spring practice, take it into all of that kind of stuff, uh, preseason camp next year, 
and build a case to be that next guy. So I think that more than anything is why I kind of pay attention to these bowl games. Yeah, absolutely. You just, you just know it. It gives us a glimpse at who, who's there to step up. So, right. It's, it kind of sucks because I know there's a lot of backup quarterbacks. People have entered the transfer portal. Um, people have, you know, declared for the drafts. So not going to risk injuring their body, which is, you know, all legit. But um, it gives the other kids the opportunity to step up. And it's supposed to be a tight competition. These bowl games are, are based off of, you know, record and actual placement. So it's not just like, you know, Alabama destroying a, a G5 team, you know. It's supposed to be like fair competition. So it gives us some glimpses of, of uh, future studs. And then, you know, got the spring game. It's kind of like the offseason, but almost not at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it's there, there are tons of examples over, over the years. I, I can't even like sit here and, and name all of them. But, but yeah, so it's, and there's a bunch more games still to play here. So I've got my notebook out. I'll be uh, keeping that list going here. Yeah, I, I took note when Tyler Deere destroyed the 10th rank rush defense. You know, I'm just, I'm just oh saying. Who, who's the next guy? There? Who's the next Tyler Algier? Uh, it's not the guy that's that's there right now. Yeah, he's like a fifth year right. senior. He's not great. It's like Katoa, I think. I, mean, I was thinking about SpongeBob's like Krakatoa from Squidward. <laughs> that's my favorite episode of that. So that's, that's a great a episode. All right, let's uh, let's get on to the next category here. I really want you to talk about your first year zeros, right? Uh, we spend a lot of, well, I do rookies, you do uh, college, so you spend a lot of off season hyping up. Uh, freshmen, talking about who's going to be the next guy out there. Um, but you also recently actually highlighted these guys that don't make it their first year and then what ends up happening to them. So just, just talk to me about your first year zeros. Yeah, so a couple of caveats on this discussion. Uh, so I'll, I'll say first. So year one zeros is a, a concept that I kind of have been delving into. It involves true freshman wide receivers in college, not red shirt. And I think that's got to be true freshman, first year on campus. Uh, first year of eligibility, um, and how they basically perform that first year. Now, there are some caveats to this. I know, for instance, that there are people that do uh, look at things that are similar with with rookie wide receivers and rookie just rookies at every position. Uh, they do it on a value-based perspective. I've only been able to do this on a performance-based uh, view for right now because we don't have enough uh, firm ADP data over the past you know, five to seven years to really build out in that regard. So so I'm looking purely at this as a, a performance base, not necessarily value, although I think those two should be connected a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> but but here we go. Here Here's basically the gist of this. If you do nothing as a true freshman wide receiver in college, and at, when I say nothing, I literally mean nothing. My, my thresholds are very, very low. You have to either score a touchdown, get over 100 yards receiving cumulative throughout the season or get five catches. Usually I like to see closer to 10, but five is kind of my cutoff. They, they literally have to do nothing. I found over the past seven years that the players that have truly done nothing, that, that have not done any of those things, touchdown 100 yards or five catches, have basically, there's almost zero chance of those guys ever becoming a, a legitimate Debbie asset a legitimate college contributor, or, you know, even make it to the NFL. And here are just some of the names. There are some very famous names on here that, that have not broken out. A couple years ago, Julian Fleming, Ohio State, DeMond DeMoss at Texas A&M, Gsot Jr. at Ohio State, Mookie Cooper at Ohio State. Uh, th none of those guys rebounded year two. Uh, Dylan Wright, uh, Jeremiah Payton, a guy at uh, University of Miami the year before that, Justin Shorter, 
uh, Marquis Spiker. I mean, there are these names that were top 10, 5, 10, 15 names in classes that, that people were salivating over. 6'3", 190, can jump over, uh, you know, can leap over a moving train, you know, all, all this stuff. If they do nothing that year one, they are probably not good. And that is not to say the inverse is true. If they do have a touchdown or do have 100 yards, that doesn't necessarily mean that the player is good. It just means that they probably aren't terrible. So that that's kind of the line that I draw there. And I think it's, I mean, we'll, it'll be interesting to see with the portal and, and stuff if that continues to hold up. But it's held fairly firm over the past uh, seven or eight years. Actually, I got a question. So do you just focus on the top 20 of the class or how far do you go back in your data here? So I go down the top 20 for now because, like I said, we don't have this ADP data to necessarily break down. I'm sure there are some cases where a kid that was, you know, maybe 14th or 15th in the class wasn't considered by the masses to be a top 14 kid. Um, that's all I really have to work off now. We have our ADP data from last season. Um, and so as we continue to build it at the website, I'll be able to kind of fine tune this a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's just top 20 kids in the class because the top, you know, a kid that's ranked wide receiver 60 in the class, you don't really expect him to come in and do anything year one anyway. That's just not the expectation. But for somebody, I mean, Julian Fleming, wide receiver one in his class, that expectation is that that kid should be able to step on a college football field day one and do something. And, and he really just has not been able to to do much of anything there. Okay. All right. So let me, let me just give you a question then. Uh, I might say this wrong, but a, a guy hall from uh, Alabama, right? Who's the big off off season hype. Hasn't done anything yet. Do you believe or hope that he can move forward year two and bounce back? Or do you not, are you not there with him? There's always hope. I mean, I don't want to just write kids off and we're talking about 18 year old kids and, and, you know, their, their dreams of playing in the NFL. I, I try not, I try to keep that in mind whenever, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and say, you know, that could, that could sucks. I never want to talk about him again. I never want to think about him again, right. but a guy hall does not hit any of those thresholds. He is a guy that I am just going to be fully fading in drafts this off season, uh, especially his value right now. I think he's going in the third or fourth round of, of campus to Canton startups. And that's just, you know, very, very expensive. For a guy that the chances of him being something in the NFL uh, are, are very, very slim based on what we saw this year. Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I have a diehard Alabama fan I work with. So he lets me know like every single day. He talks to me about Alabama every day. That's who he is. And uh, he told me that, like, because I was asking him, I was like, whoa, what's wrong with the guy? Hall? And he's uh, he's like, oh, his grades. Everyone's saying in the program that it's his grades. And then the grades turned like to attitude issues. I'm like, well, I hope he just transfers and gets a restart at that point. I mean, it, it, the, the funny thing about this is, is I think it doesn't necessarily matter what the reasoning is. I mean, for instance, there was a kid two years ago at Notre Dame. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, um, Jordan Johnson uh, was a top. I think he was the wide receiver six in the class, according to 24-7 Composite. Went to Notre Dame. Big athletic kid. Everybody said he's going to be really good. He apparently never wanted to show up to practice. He apparently didn't go to class and was out of Notre Dame within the year. Wow. That, I mean, that that attitude and that stuff counts he transferred to ucf didn't do anything this year so i mean it, it, whether it's you know they're just not good enough they they don't care enough i mean they're as long as they didn't suffer you know a knee injury in preseason camp and miss the whole season um you know it's just the the reasoning doesn't tend to matter it just the fact that they didn't did not did not do anything is what ends up mattering all right so caution your c2c drafts oh we're gonna move on to our our main show here and let's give you the next man up so i'm gonna be so I specialize in evaluating these juniors and seniors going to the draft. That's my thing. That's what I do. Austin here gets obviously a lot deeper. He looks at freshmen, looks at all the college prospects, but the freshmen and sophomores. 
So I'm new to C2C Presso personally. I'm in a league, very excited about it, even though I drafted uh, a guy Hall in the sixth. I'm telling Sasquatch that was too high. But um, we're going we're gonna to go through uh, players that we expect or have already declared for the draft. Me being the novice, I'm going to do the whole box store analysis and just look at the production and age and pick who I think is going to be the top player. And Austin here is going to give me his actual like expert, you know, his in-depth analysis of like the players that probably are better picks than I'm going to give you. So uh, we're not going to start off with Alabama and Ohio. That's a little boring. But I'm going to start off with uh, Miami here. So uh, University of Miami saw the rise of Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback for nine games here. He was um, he was he was quite fired. He he's I think he's considered a top ten quarterback in CDC right now. Um, they are losing uh, wide receiver Charleston Rambo. He's a transfer to the draft. Charleston Rambo broke the record for uh, single season reception receptions at Ohio, seventy nine receptions for one hundred and one thousand one hundred seventy two yards and seven touchdowns. The last Miami receiver to get drafted that I remember was Braxton Berrios. He went in the sixth round to the Patriots. Um, Charles Romero did not get a, a invite for the senior bowl, which I was actually personally surprised about. So my projections right now for him going to draft is probably in the sixth round as well, along with Braxton, maybe in the fifth, but he's up in our early day three. He's going to be a mid late day three guy. Um, who I think actually can stick around a roster, but that's not today's topic. Uh, the question is who's the next man up. So for me, Again, looking at just the box score, giving that really shallow analysis. I'm looking at Keyshawn Smith. He's a three-star recruit. He's a freshman. He had 33 receptions for 405 yards and five touchdowns. And now with the emergence of a new quarterback here, I think Keyshawn, who's already been a proven asset and has shown production on the field, that he's going to be able to prove more. With Charleston Rambo leaving, we have vacated targets. And say which one about vacated targets, it's just more opportunity for everybody else in the field. And so, Austin, who do you – and your expert opinion, you think it's the next man up for University of Miami? I, I think Keyshawn Smith is as good of a shout as any. I know um, through uh, you know spring and, and their preseason camp this year, they talked a lot about Keyshawn Smith and, and Xavier Restrepo, another younger guy there on the team that were both kind of uh, impressive in the slot. Uh, Smith is more of a slot guy than a boundary guy. So I, I'm going to say that I do think Smith has as good of a shot as any uh, to lead that receiver room. But I do have two other names to just toss out that I think uh, based on their profile, profile more as boundary guys. And and so they might, you know, ha- hold more value moving forward, depending on what happens. Uh, the first one I'll give you is he's going to be a, he was a true freshman this year. He'll be a second guy next year. Romello Brinson, uh, 6'2", 180-ish kid. Um, he had a, you know... A, okay year this year had seven catches uh, 90 yards a touchdown so not nothing crazy but but played you know decently well in, in a fairly crowded wide receiver room there i think they're going to pass the, the ball more this year with tyler van dyke so i think there should be more uh, you know, uh volume there for him so he's one guy and then the other name uh, is kevin coleman who is not even necessarily committed there yet but most of the crystal balls are predicting that he'll he'll end up there. Uh, gonna, he'll be a true freshman this year. Uh, the number four wide receiver in the 24-7 sports composite, 5'11", 170, um, and just a really explosive athlete. So I think, you know, I'd never necessarily want to bet on a true freshman coming in and leading a wide receiver room, but I think those are just two names that I'm thinking of, especially when I'm in drafts this year, uh, as guys that could potentially lead uh, a team in receiving, a team that I think is going to have a very explosive offense. Yeah, I so for me personally, in the college and the NFL, situation matters to me. So it's super important to have a quarterback that actually throws the ball. 
<laughs> like, you know, gives them the opportunity. So I, I feel like this is going to be a new era for University of Miami, assuming they can keep Tyler Van Dyke. I, I really do expect them to explode as an offense. They've always created defensive talent, but their offense has always just been such a just a meh situation. Especially if they get Joe Brady in there. I mean, that's I know still I haven't heard any movement on that, but that's still the rumor. So um, that I think that would be big, really, really big uh, for all of those guys. All right, uh, let's go. Let's go on to the next one. You're going to do University of Kentucky, where I went to school. Right now, wearing a shirt. Go Cats, baby. Yeah, Will Levis. You don't know if you're getting first round Will Levis against those G five schools, and then when the SEC pops up, you get undrafted Will Levis performances. But you know, <laughs> but uh, I love that. Um, yeah. Okay, so they're gonna be they're gonna be losing Wandale Robinson and probably Josh Ali, who's a fifth year senior. I imagine they both go to the draft. That leaves this wide receiver room wide open. And also, we're gonna talk about our running back too. Chris Rodriguez hasn't declared. I'm just expecting him to declare. Um. And that question is going to be the who's the next man up. Austin, why don't you, why don't you go first on this one? So uh, you you put, I think, uh, the top name down there, at least at wide receiver. I think it's going to be Tavion Robinson, a kid that's transferring in there uh, this offseason for Virginia Tech. Um, has a pretty strong analytical profile. I know uh, both Jarek Backus and uh, Chris Moxley are two of our data guys over at C2C. Uh, really like him. That whole offense was pretty poor this year. Um, so I do think he can go in and play a very similar role um, to what Wanda Robinson did, obviously not at the same level, um, but can be a really, really good player. The other name I just want to throw out, and again, true freshman, it's a, it's always a difficult proposition. Um, Kentucky actually, first off, has a oddly a very strong recruiting class this year and a very strong group of wide receivers coming in there uh, between Robinson, obviously coming in as a transfer. Uh, and then they have Dane key as well. A kid that I like six two one ninety, very, very good athlete, local kid there from Lexington. Um, but personally, my favorite kid in the class, the crown jewel, my wide receiver one in the entire class somehow ended up at Kentucky is Barry and Brown. Go watch this kid and tell me he doesn't remind you of Jalen Waddle. Okay. They they are built very, very similarly. 6'1", 173 is what Barry and Brown is at. I believe Waddle was listed at 6'1", like 160 or 170 coming out of high school. He's like got that like gliding athleticism, but he's just crazy explosive. He has like, insane body control. Like I, I really, really like this kid. He was supposed to go to Bama and then change his mind kind of last minute. So there's, there's another kid where I think maybe he can do some special team stuff as a true freshman and then kind of work his way in. So if I had to pay up for a guy, even though Tavion Robinson might be the next guy in line, I think I'd rather spend a little more for Barry and Brown, who might be two years away. Yeah, you're warming my heart right now as a Kentucky fan, to tell you what. <laughs> I t Kentucky and Arkansas, you picked two of like my favorite kind of underdog teams here to talk about today. So I, I greatly appreciate you doing that. I, I could talk about both those schools all day. I love that. Just as a Kentucky fan, like we haven't gotten any high profile wide receivers. And then Josh Ali came as a four star, but like then it was quiet again for two more years. So this is just this is just great. I'm, just, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. Now, uh, for running back, I want to talk about. So I expect Chris Rodriguez to go. It's kind of a constant revolving door of running backs here in Kentucky. I, I feel like, well, before this year, I would have said they're trying to model themselves after like Georgia or like South Carolina, where they're trying to be a really good defensive team with a run offense. Um, but two of their running backs just entered the transfer portal. And so I'm looking at freshman running back Lavelle Wright. Uh, he only has nine carries for 118 yards and one touchdown. And he got, I think, seven of those carries came in like one of the last three games. Uh, he has he has pro size, and that's why I have him here, because I'm a big size manager for running backs. Um, and so I'm looking at him to step up here the next to like the next year. 
Do you have any running backs you're looking at for Kentucky? Uh, uh, what do you? I mean, does Cavassier Smoke not have any chance, or he answered that? Is he one of the guys that entered the portal? He's a senior. No, he's like I think he's the same. See, I think he, he's older than I think he's older he's, than Chris. He's listed as a junior on Kentucky's website. That's the only reason okay. I ask. So I think he has eligibility, whether he wants it or right. not. But I, I've always, you know, he's not a, a amazing. I wouldn't expect him to put up the same numbers Chris Rodriguez does, um, but he's certainly been a decent back there. You think he's more of a change of pace guy? I'm just not into him as a talent because I, I just think when I watch him play and he splits carries with Chris Rodriguez, he still isn't getting production, even though like most defenses are focused on Chris rather than Cavassier smoke. And you're right. He's going into his fifth year. So he's a fourth year. He has, he has eligibility for one more year or okay. one or two more years. That COVID year. Yeah. yeah. Impossible. I tweeted out. I get like frustrated over like I click on a player and he's a sophomore. And I'm like, oh, no way. This guy's only been in for two years. And I see he's been in for four years listed as a sophomore. I'm like, why? Why do we do this process? I have to check 24-7 for all these kids now and see, like, what year they graduated from high school because, yeah, it's it's impossible. It's frustrating. So, uh, yeah, okay. So I, I guess I'm not in on Cavassier. I'd rather someone younger step up and they give him the opportunity. Cavassier kind of reminds me of, like, Asim Rose. You know, you remember him? He was kind of a preseason hero. I do remember Asim Rose. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, let's go on to the uh, – all right, let's, let's go on to the big teams now. We're going on about Alabama here. Uh, Bryce Young, obviously Heisman winner. I think he's just ultra talented wide ultra talented quarterback. He's going to be losing um, Jamison Williams to the draft. We're all predicting that. And then I put down John Mechie as a maybe because we haven't heard any word about him pulling out of the draft. He just tore an ACL, so I imagine his draft stock falls. Um, for my last tweet talking about mock trends, he was going in the mid second. So I don't know at one point in time he pulls the cord on going to the draft, but we can see. Let's just theoretically do that. They're both leaving. So it's just wide open between the court. Uh, for me, the next man up here coming up is going to be Ja'Cory Brooks. Uh, and this is also off of your uh, zeros model here because it would have been a guy hall. Like, honestly, I would have put a guy hall because I just thought he was super talented. Um, but if I'm not a betting man saying that he's not going to come back, he's not going to uh, fix his off-field issues or whatever, just not roll the dice and go with the safe bet here, I'm going with Ja'Cory Brooks. Uh, who's going to be for you? Brooks is a, a really think, you know, he's I'm interested to see if he can do something in the playoff here uh, with, you know, no Mechie. Um They don't have as actually really weird for Alabama. They don't have a lot of other boundary guys in that team that that really instill confidence. You know, they have Hall, they have uh, Javon Baker. I mean, maybe you split your little Billingsley. I mean, they, they don't have a lot of other options there. So I do, I do think he's going to kind of be forced to to show what he's got. Um, so I do agree with that name, actually, but I'm just going to toss out Jojo Earl as another uh, potential name there. Uh, also a true freshman in this past class, was a top five consensus wide receiver. Uh, he was my wide receiver three uh, entering the class, or entering the year. Not a, not, not a wide receiver zero. He had 148 yards receiving this year as a true freshman, so that's good. Um, very dynamic uh, special teams guy as well. He projects more as a slot guy, but I I'd be curious to see if they all want to use him on the boundary. Just be, like I said, because of the lack of guys they have there. So that would be the other name that I would throw out there, wide receiver. Okay. All right. Um, now for running back here, we got Brian Robinson. Once the draft, he's a fifth-year senior. I haven't run a profile on him yet. I, I, I'm definitely way lower than the rest of the community is on him. I'm really not into him at all whatsoever. Uh, as far as like Alabama running backs, I just think he's mediocre in talent. Again, comparing him to Alabama running backs in the past that have gone to the draft. 
But the next running back up for me, now I, I wrote this before before the news broke out, so I'm just going to stick with it. But I wrote down Roy Dell Williams. He's, as far as production goes, um, Chase McClellan just hasn't been producing, and Roy Williams been getting on the field. Um, Roy Dell Williams, I think, is more of a pass catching back, though. Is that right? No, Roy Dell. So they, it's really hard to tell because McClellan got injured. So we never really got to see the two of them on the field together. But it seems like they consider Roy Dell Williams the replacement for Brian Robinson Jr. And then Roy, and then McClellan was almost like a third. They treated him almost like a third down back, even though he's like six foot to 15. So I, I don't know why that divide was there, but that's what they were doing. Okay, I got you. So I got, I got Roy Dell here just from, again, doing the box score analysis as a production standpoint. It was like 48 for 284 and one. That was his, his numbers this year. So it's a pretty wide open room as far as like Alabama goes. And then uh, who's going to be your guy? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to at least throw out McClellan's name. Sparked up kid. He was the highest spark athlete in his class at the running back position. Really, really good athlete. Um, they wanted to use him more as a pass catcher, but he was also, you know, averaging five yards a carry. I mean, doing all that kind of stuff there. They have a lot of other names. So I, before I, it's Jameer Gibbs is, is the answer after he transferred there. But I do, yeah. they have uh, Kamar Wheaton, who was uh, the top back in the composite in last year's class or second, second back after Travion, something like that. Uh, in last year's class, um, he's still there. They have Trey Sanders who feel like, feels like he's been there forever was one of the top kids in his class uh, unfortunately has had uh, some serious injury issues. They bring in a couple of freshmen this year, but yeah, give me Jameer Gibbs coming in from there from Georgia tech. Um, I mean, the kid was dynamic at Georgia tech, 750 yards on the ground and four touchdowns and then had another 500 yards and a couple touchdowns through the air. I would put the over under at his receiving work this year at like 40, 45 catches. Like it wouldn't shock me if he hit that number pretty easily. I think he has an enormous year there he doesn't even need to be like the only guy like he can be a 1a 1b and still put up 1400 yards and 12 touchdowns or something yeah absolutely i i think someone else says on twitter so i'm sorry i can't reference them but he runs a lot of deandre swift like he really does i i love the talent i really do like just is he gonna be your rb1 next year over brian robinson or sorry Bijan robinson or is Bijan still like the top dog I'm pretty committed to Bijan at this point. I I put Bijan as the best running back in college before he'd ever even touched the field a few years ago. Um, like I just I've loved him for forever. I would have a very hard. They're just very different backs. Like I think Bijan okay. reminds me a lot of pre knee injury Todd Gurley in college. Like okay. if people can remember back that far, Todd Gurley was that dude. I mean yeah. he was still great in the NFL, but like he was kind of almost like a shadow of his former self. Uh, he had those serious knee issues. I think that's kind of who Bijan reminds me of. And yeah, I, I think Jameer Gibbs kind of reminds me of that Kamara, Aaron Jones, DeAndre. Like that, that's kind of the, there's very different. I think they can both be like, I had Jonathan Taylor and, and DeAndre Swift ranked basically equally for fantasy purposes. Okay. And I think, you know, those two guys can be ranked basically equally for fantasy purposes, even if Bijan ends up being the, the quote unquote better running back. Okay. But locked in RB1 and 2 in the class. For you. I think so. I I can't see that Tank Bigsby is a third, and he's just so distant at this point. I can't see him catching either of those guys. Yeah, he's kind of falling off a little bit for me. I don't yeah. know why I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you though. They're locked in like RB one and two for me. Um, all right, let's let's go on to. Uh, I don't have it written down here, so I'm sorry. It's gonna be off the top of the head here. But Ohio State, I forgot to write them down somehow. Um, they had Chris Olave and Garrett oh Wilson. man, Garrett Wilson opt out of the uh, playoffs. 
they didn't make the playoffs, right? They, uh, they had, they're in the Rose Bowl or whatever. So, oh, but. sucks, Matt. Sorry, Ohio didn't make the playoffs. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so they're gone. They're going to be going to the draft together. Um, it's going to be obviously JSN is going to be stepping up as the top receiver there. CJ Stroud, who was a Heisman finalist, he was definitely in the running there for a minute for um, the whole season. Um, who's going to be the next man up at Ohio State for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, JSN is going to be the wide receiver one. He was the best, he's the most talented wide receiver on that team. I've said that for over a year. I think he's just a great, great player. Um, the guy that steps up, so I'm actually, this is going to completely contradict what I said earlier. I'm actually moderately coming around on Julian Fleming having some sort of a role there. I'm not sure exactly what it will be, but I think they're going to give him every chance possible to take a, a starting job there. And, and they do rotate a lot of wide receivers. So it would not shock me. You know, I don't think he'll ever rebound anywhere close to wide receiver one type value like he had coming out of high school. But I think, you know, he can play himself into being a third round pick or something like that. Um, okay. So, so he's a name. I think we're just like, don't like, I think DeMond DeMoss is dead. I don't think Julian Fleming is dead, dead. Like he's just kind of playing possum right now, but I think he can, okay. he can bounce back a little bit. And then the other guys there, Marvin Harrison jr who, yes, is the son of the Marvin Harrison. Um, completely different kind of player. He's like 6'3", 190, um, but, you know, great, great player. Uh, played in high school with Kyle McCord, their backup quarterback. Um, and then Emeka Buka, who is the top wide receiver in the 24-7 composite last year. I think those four will kind of make up the primary core of their wide receiver group next year. Yeah, and we get a peek at that, too, come up at the Rose Bowl. So we get a little more better idea of who actually will be the guy coming up here pretty soon. Um, all right, let's move on to Purdue. Purdue has been steadily producing some nice wide receivers here, uh, two in a row. So, yeah, Adrian O'Connell took, a, I think, a huge step as far as being a quarterback this year for college, and I, I love that. Uh, but we're going to lose David Bell to the draft, 93 receptions for 1,286 yards, six touchdowns. I think he's been a 1,000-yard receiver three years in a row. Um, so there's going to be a big hole here, especially with their actual quarterback taking a step up. Um, for me, it's going to be Milton Wright. Now, usually, again, as a box score analyst, like I'm looking at that age, and he's already a junior, so he's missing that. He's missing that early declare threshold for sure, 100% missing that. Um, but I don't discount elite talent, and I think if he steps up and uh, just goes nuclear on like the stat sheet, pretty much, I think it's going to be hard to ignore him being like a day one, day two draft capital guy next year. Um, who's going to be your next man up at Purdue? I really hate to give this as an answer, but I think the answer is nobody. <laughs> okay. I, I just don't think they have a guy on the roster right now that makes me confident at all that they would get any sort of meaningful draft capital. So my answer, unfortunately, is nobody. But if somebody is going to do it that's on that roster currently, it do, it probably is going to be Milton Wright. Okay. And then if you're in your C2C leagues, you get like one year production out of that, maybe two. Like that's it. Yeah, like I'm just avoiding Aiden, Aiden O'Connell is like moderately interesting if I'm looking for a, a quarterback in like the last round that I've kind of punted quarterback as I am, you know. It's your common strategy, isn't it? Yes, that is, that is pretty much what I what I generally do. I'm just, I'm just not banking on any of those wide receivers. I'll, I'll try to pick up one in season if one of them gets hot or something. Okay, that's it. Hey, you're allowed to respond with that. Uh, my next one here is going to be we're talking about Arkansas. Now, I don't know how you feel about their quarterback there, but I am not I am not in on KJ Jefferson. I thought I, I personally feel that his receivers made him look good, not the other way around. Kind of like Kyle Trash, for example, a couple years ago. So do um, you wanna hear do you wanna hear a really big hot take? All right, let's hear it. Let's do it. 
if I had to, if I had to, oh, go ahead. (laughs) It's not going to be your lukewarm takes, right? No, it's not a lukewarm take. So Uh, if I had to put money on either Will Levis or KJ Jefferson ever being somebody that I want on my, my dynasty roster at some point, I would put all of that money on KJ Jefferson. Because he can do a lot of the same things that Will Levis can do, but he's also just a way better athlete. So I like if if people talk about Will Levis, I don't see why we can't talk about KJ KJ Jefferson not deserving a first round draft pick or anything. But I like I the tools are there; they they definitely are. You're talking about like for the NFL side, though. You rather yeah, yeah. And I I mean he's he had a good year in college this year. He single handedly kept him in that Ole Miss game they narrowly lost. Uh, They I think believe they went for two at the end. Uh, ended up losing. Um, uh, he kept them in a lot of games. I wouldn't necessarily say they lost any games because of KJ Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, he only threw three picks the whole season. Again, I feel like that's more the receivers helping out. But three picks in college—that's low. Like that's good. Yeah. You know, you I mean, he was—he was out—he was, out, was outmatched against like Bama, but like the whole that whole team was outmatched against Bama. Like it wasn't necessarily yeah. you know a, a failure on his part. So right. yeah, right. I, I don't think he's a a bad player. Like some of the guys we hype up nowadays. Like, I don't think he's any worse than some of these guys. Okay. Well, I'm going to be more team Will Levis, though. That's not like a bias thing I actually do. Like, I, I believe Will Levis has the tools to be successful. It's just inconsistent. I see the arm strength. I see the accuracy. I feel like people don't give him enough credit because I feel like Ali and Wandale dropped the ball more than people people talk about, honestly. Like, I watched the Missouri game, for example, which was, like, the first hint that Will Levis sucks to everybody. <laughs> Or he's just not as good as everyone thought he was. I was like, these balls are hitting the receiver's hands and just falling to the ground like way too often. Whatever. But uh, let's go. Let's go on. So Traylon Burks is getting drafted, right? Traylon Burks is like top three wide receiver for everybody, except for PFF for whatever reason. But he's top three for everybody else in the world. Um, it's going to leave a pretty big hole there. Uh, he's probably the top alpha in the class, and so I'm going to ask you as the next man up. Now, my response: I'm not really fully endorsing. I'm going to put out. Um, I just lost in it for a second. Jaden Hazelwood, uh, transfer coming from Oklahoma. Uh, I'm not a Hazelwood fan. He's a kind of a contested catch receiver, in my opinion. Doesn't really get separation, and I'm not a fan of that whatsoever at the NFL level. Um, but when I was looking at Arkansas's roster, again, just doing that box score analysis, none of the names popped off the page. They really weren't exciting for me. Just give me somebody better than Jaden Hazelwood. Yeah, I mean, I think Hazelwood is a decent shout to lead them in receiving next year. I definitely think it's going to be a more, uh, you know, it's not going to be such a concentrated uh, receiving thing with, you know, one guy, you know, for having 40 to 50% of the production there at the position. Um, I do think that they have a really strong stable of running backs. So first off, I think they're going to try to run the ball a little more next year and rely a little less on the pass. Not that they were pass heavy this year, but they've, they've got some good guys there. Um, a couple of other names I'll just toss out. Um, I'll go with uh, Trey Knox. I'm good. I just have to say the name. Uh, at one point after the freshman year, I know this is very hard to believe. And if you weren't necessarily following college football and, and deeper Debbie heavily, you might not have known this. But after the freshman years, people generally prefer Trey Knox over Trey Lombergs. Knox had the better freshman year. Um, he looked really, really good in that spring game. I can remember like people just like, you know, wetting their pants over this dude and this Trey Knox, like 6'6", 200-something pounds, just played really, really well, and has, I think, been in the doghouse the past two years. Like, the coaching staff has not had overwhelmingly nice things to say about Trey Knox, the person. So I think he's a name to just throw out, even though I'm not necessarily a believer anymore. 
Another name, though, that I just think needs to be thrown is Keetron Jackson. Uh, will be a second-year wide receiver there. Was a four-star in last year's class. And Arkansas is really, really fun. I like. I love scouting the receivers they have going there because they basically just go out and they say, who is the biggest, fastest dude we can find? Let's bring him in here and see if he can actually play football. It's basically what they did with Traylon Burks and Trey Knox in the same class there. And it's basically what they've done with Keetron Jackson as well. He's 6'2", 205. He looks big. I, when, I, when I was watching his high school stuff, like he didn't even need like the little arrow that pointed to him. You could just tell which which guy he was because he was just enormous. He's a Hulk, uh, but really good athlete. I think he, for being such a big guy, he can play like a little man's game as well, which I think is important for a lot of these guys. You know, they're not just, you know, jump, me see jump ball, me go get ball. Like they can do some other stuff. So I think Jackson is a guy that could really, you know, blossom next year. And he had some stats this year. I mean, he had about 100 yards and a touchdown. Not bad for a true freshman in offense that doesn't really pass that much. All right, all right. I, you know, we love those big alphas too for fantasy, especially at the NFL level. Like that's that's where you get your points from. Arkansas over the past three years has basically been what we think Clemson is with wide receivers. Only they don't get the wide receiver three in the class; they get the wide receiver thirty-five in the class. Like that. Right. That's really what they've been. It's it's a very a testament to their coaching staff that they kind of uh, go out and find those guys and identify them and are able to bring them in. Yeah. What do you remember? What Burks was in his class? He was low, uh, not like uh, like twenties, I think, in the okay. closet. So yeah, uh, but he was like a guy where you're going on the list and you're like, you know, 5'11", 170, 5'10", 165. And you're like six three two ten. Holy shit! And he was, <laughs> you know, every every bit the athlete that you'd want at the position at that size. All right, all right. Let's move on to the next one here. We're gonna do a little little bit of a, a G five here. It's gonna be SMU. SMU is constantly putting out. NFL talent, not exactly high end, Corlin Sutton, but like besides that, they're not like they're always putting out guys to the NFL though. They're losing a lot of pieces here this year. They're using Reggie Robinson, who I was a fan of preseason, not anymore, but I was a fan of Reggie Robinson preseason. Danny Gray, who's a JUCO transfer, and they're losing um Calcaterra, who used to be a very hot tight end name a few years ago. And they're losing all three. And Tanner Mordecai, I think, was you might have to like vet me on this, but I think he was a top five in passing yards this year with 3,728 passing yards. So he's willing to sling the ball and throw it. Um, now, I just want to say this before we get into this. I'm a, I'm a little backed off the Tanner Mordecai hype train. I was definitely in on it. I was just uh, a little disappointed with his performance in Cincinnati and Houston. They were top defenses. He had the opportunity to really solidify his name, and he didn't, he didn't do it. So I'm putting that on hold. He's a really yeah. good college quarterback. I was kind of hoping he'd leave to see some of Preston Stone come in there, um, who – I believe still is the highest rated recruit they've ever had come in there at any position. Um, kind of Johnny Manzella. She's a really fun kid. So I don't know if he'll okay. stay or not. Um, I, you, you put down Dylan Goffney. I, I think that's a very good name was a guy that is actually really funny. The week that he had his big game for SMU, we were all in the discord and we were like, who's, you know, what, what happens if Danny Gray and, and, and Reggie Roberson leave? And I was like, well, they've got this kid, Dylan Goffney. Like I've, they rave about this kid in practice, and then he went out and had like 150 yards and two touchdowns. I was like, oh, well, that's yeah. uh, that's some good timing there. So I do think he's he's a good name, but I think the the, the guy that does lead the wide receiver that room there next year is Rasheed Rice. He's going to be, I believe, in his final year of eligibility. He was a, a JUCO kid, came in there, 6'3", like 200 pounds. This dude is just – he's very similar to Danny Gray, like just a big athlete, uh, can, beat, can win deep, 
Um, and it's going to beat teams with the speed. Had 64 catches, 670 yards, nine touchdowns this year. Wouldn't be surprised if he inches closer uh, to kind of that Danny Gray stat, you know, like 800, 900 yards next year, depending on how much they're, they're willing to pass again. Yeah, too. And it's just worth noting that SNU is always willing to take the risk on the JUCO transfer. It just it seems like they're consistently looking for those guys from JUCO, and they're very active in the transfer portal. So I'm kind of excited to see who they bring in this year. Um, they're definitely one of the teams that, for me, I think is a really nice landing spot for for transfers. Them and like Mississippi with Will Rogers, who's playing right now. And I just think they're a nice, a nice landing spot. They have a good quarterback. You know, he's willing to throw it. He's going to give players the opportunity to showcase their skills. Yeah, and if but you're yeah. a team like SMU that's in Texas – that you never is going to be able to recruit against Texas, Oklahoma, uh, whoever wants to come into that state that, that are big schools to kind of poach some of these kids, plus TCU. I mean, that that's kind of your your recruiting edge if you can get some of these kids from JUCO and the portal, and they've done a really good job with that. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to get a they were going to get a bid to go to um, a Power Five conference this year. I was kind of upset they didn't didn't really understand why. Do you know why? By any chance? I don't. I know that their boosters are very hesitant to make a big splashy move after obviously what happened with the Pony Express and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, uh, I I know that like they, their boosters have kind of backed off in terms of like football needs to be the thing. Okay. All right. Let's go on to USC here. Quarterback Jackson Dart's coming out of uh, well, he played four full games. Going to be the quarterback next year. We think we're pretty sure. We're pretty confident, right? That's going to be. It's going to be his, his backfield. At this point, yeah. I, I can't see anybody unless Caleb Williams you know, changes his mind and goes there or something. But I, I, I think it's Dart. Okay. And then they brought in Lincoln Riley, very popular coach in college. Now they're going to lose Drake London. Drake London was like hurt for half the season, but still put up like insane numbers here. Um, I'm not going to read them off. But the next man up for me is going to be Gary Bryant Jr. 44 catches for 579 yards and seven touchdowns. USC is always, again, putting in talent into the NFL. Um, I was a big Amara St. Brown fan uh, pre-draft. I mean, they got Michael Michael Pittman, Marquise Lee, Judy Westbrook, Juju Smith-Schuster. There's another big one. Anyway, they are constantly putting out talent here, and they're definitely a team to, at school and team to keep your eye on. So who's going to be your guy up? Yeah, um, I think – the obvious answer at wide receiver is going to be Gary Bryant Jr. I think he's actually a screaming buy in any sort of, you know, CFF, C2C, Debbie format. Um, was a very highly rated kid coming out of high school. He was like my wide receiver eight or nine in the class. I really, really liked him. Um, ended up kind of stepping in and filling that role once Drake London was out. There are some other guys on the team. Taj Washington is a, an option. He was at Memphis and transferred over there. Uh, he's a very odd fit, and I actually do think he kind of fits really well into what Lincoln, Lincoln Riley likes to do, where he'll put four wide receivers out, and he'll use that guy that plays in the slot to kind of stretch the field, which is slightly unusual. You don't see a lot of it in the NFL, and, and there aren't a lot of college offenses that necessarily operate in that regard. But like that's how they used Marvin Mims over the past couple of years. Like he, They basically just used him in the slot to spread the, spread the field a little bit. So I do think Taj Washington can also fill that role, even though I don't think very highly of him as you know a talent. Um, just one other name. Well, I, there's a couple other names. I, I really liked Michael Jackson, the third coming out last year. I think he's going to be a guy that gets more Michael Trigg, the tight end, I think can be a guy that can, you know, they can finally have a relevant tight end at USC for the first time in forever. And one other name, because I think he's been left for dead and I'm not saying that I would go out and spend a lot to get this guy on, on any sort of team, but Kyle Ford 
is a really intriguing player to me. He has, if I remember correctly, blown out. Basically came in as a freshman, really highly rated recruit, getting a lot of hype, starting to play a little bit. Boom, tears his left ACL. Rehabs, comebacks the next season, getting a ton of hype out of camp, expected to be a, a starter day one on the boundary. Boom, tears the other ACL. So he's he's blown out both knees at this point. That's, you know, not great. But he kind of took the reins in that offense a little bit toward the end of the year. Ended up having 19 catches, 250 yards, a couple touchdowns in limited action. He has a ton of talent, and he's a really, he was a really good athlete. I can't speak to it. He still is. But right. I think that's just a name where everyone's kind of, you know, at, a year ago said, okay, Kyle Ford, we're done with him. I think it's not so fast. I, I think that he could do something next year. That's how I felt about um, Reggie Robinson last year, or going into this year, is that he's just somebody I think super talented, athletic, older prospect, always hurt. And then, like, it's the first full season I've seen him healthy. They have a fantastic quarterback. And then production-wise, it just wasn't there. So Reggie, Reggie Roberson was the first, when I first started on Twitter, like two and a half years ago, was the first player I did a big, long thread on. I said, oh, yeah. this guy is going to be a top 10 wide receiver in this class. Then he said he was coming back. And I was like, okay, he'll be a top 10. And then he did. So I like uh, done with him. But I really, really liked Roberson. I think that's a pretty decent comparison. Yeah. I remember my first one was like Elijah Moore. Like one of my first like ones that I actually did and I actually fell in love with was Elijah Moore for me. Yeah. Um, I do actually want to highlight Gary, Gary Bryant again one more time. So his last, so he didn't play the last game, but for the three games he played Jackson Dart, it's six for 64 and then nine catches for 161 yards and a touchdown. That was against UCLA. And then against BYU, he had five for 56 and a touchdown. So I, I wanted to highlight that he has at least some sort of chemistry with Jackson Dart and he's producing. Him him and Josh Downs came out in the same class. I liked Downs as my wide receiver five or six, I want to say, in the class. Gary Bryant, I think it was like my wide receiver eight or nine. I liked them both. Stylistically, they're very similar, and it would not shock me if Gary Bryant Jr. next year has the year that Josh Downs basically just had at UNC. I think actually okay. at cost at this point, if I had to choose, I haven't seen exactly how high Gary Bryant's value is going to get this offseason, but I think at cost, I prefer Gary Bryant over Josh Downs with the new quarterback and everything. Okay, interesting. All right, let's 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 go on to uh, Penn State here. Sean Clifford's the quarterback. I can't. I was actually very surprised looking at Sean Clifford's number. He has 2,900 passing yards this year. I thought it was going to be a lot lower. Um, but anyway, we have Jahan Dotson leading for the draft. That's 91 receptions for 1,182 yards and 12 touchdowns. I think this was a little more obvious. I, I think the community will all agree that it's going to be Parker Washington's next guy up. It was so. supposed to be Lonnie White. Oh. <laughs> the worst day ever, the day that my Pirates drafted him and he decided he wasn't going to play college football. Um, but yes, it has. I think it has to be Parker Washington. Um, watch out for um, uh, Keandre Lambert Smith. I believe was their third leading receiver there this year. Uh, definitely a, kind of a guy to watch out for. And they do have a true freshman coming in, Caden Saunders. Uh, I think he profiles more of a slot guy. So does he get stuck behind Parker Washington this year? I don't know. Um, but but he's just another name to be on your radar. But yeah, I think I think it has to be Washington. He's the most experienced. He has the best NFL skill set, NFL body on the team. Um, I, I think all those things will will lead to him being their wide receiver one. All right, all right. Uh, I'm going to talk about Boise State here. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer is their quarterback. Three thousand yard passer, twenty touchdowns, eight interceptions. Uh, it's got my like. Be my guy for me in, in the day two of the drafts to be Khalil Shakir. I can't wait to see him at the Senior Bowl. And man, if he if he plays good at the Senior Bowl, I, I'm wheels up. I am absolutely going to be annoying about him on Twitter 100. <laughs> um, 
I, I'm right there with you. I love Shakir. I think yeah, he's, I, he his he's really versatile. I think a, a team's gonna love that. Yeah, and I think he's a playmaker with the ball in his hands. It's just that could he be a playmaker in the ball in his hands against like better competition. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love him. All right, uh, for the next man up, just how you talked about for uh, I think I can't remember who you talked for about Purdue. for Purdue. Yeah. I put no one. I I, I was super uh, when I was looking at the depth chart, I was looking at the numbers, looking at the box scores, looking at the year stats. They're all seniors. All the pass catchers are seniors. They're all going to be either fifth-year seniors next year. I don't know. I was super discouraged. It wasn't like any sophomore or freshman guy that had, you know, more than 10 catches on the. I was very discouraged. I was super discouraged looking at that. And I just – I wonder if Boise State's, like, offense is just going to drive to an absolute haul without Kalosh Shakir. So they do have – they have Stefan Cobbs who will return for sure. Yes. Even though he yes. is an older kid on the team. I think he will lead them next year. Very dynamic. Can he stay healthy is the big question because it seems like every other game – he has, you know, he rolls his ankle or tweaks his hammy or falls on his arm weird or something. So if he can stay healthy for a whole year, I think he can do production-wise about what Khalil Shakir did, even though he's probably not the same level of NFL prospect. Um, and then just, you know, they at running back, they, they haven't been able to get anything going. I think George Halani is a fine college running back, but not a stud. But just a name I want to toss out there. I, I'm, he's going to be a guy that I talk about a lot this offseason on my show, on other shows, is this true freshman named Ashton Gianti, I believe is how you say it. J-E-A-N-T-Y. Kid out of Texas. Very, very big producer down there. He is an NFL-level receiver already. Like this, this kid is a really good receiving back. They use him downfield all the time. He's like wide receiver 80 or something in the composite. I have no idea why 24 seven sports has him as like their RB 20. That seems more reasonable to me. He's my RB 15 right now in the class out of like the 80 or so that I have uh, graded out. So he's a guy that I think could come in there and uh, make some noise and, and Boise's known for their running backs. I think he can, be a Doug Martin-ish kind of value going into the NFL draft. Okay, that's a big name that they're out there. That's a lot of – that's some conviction there. little muscle hamster action, yeah. No, we don't talk about him enough anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of the bowling ball builds, but that was like the one. That was the one. Yeah, I'm – well, I, I, I think Gianti like isn't quite that build, but it's like value-wise. Like I think that's basically what he can build up to. He's a little meaner okay. than that, I think. Yeah. Um, and then didn't a Boise State running back declare for the draft of the day? I don't want to say. It was uh, yeah, somebody. it was their other kid. He has like a Polynesian name. I don't remember it. I'm not even going to ever. Habibi Lakio, I think is yes. his last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, that dude's going to go undrafted. I don't know why he did that. but I don't know, 3.3 yards per carry. I think I looked at. But there, there are touches available there now. So, yes, just Ashton Giante, <laughs> yeah. a, a name to watch. Trust me. Yes, a door closes, another one opens up. That's what this is all about. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, we're going to get into a little more running back stuff. So we're going to talk about Iowa here, Iowa State. We're losing Brees Hall. Iowa State's pretty consistently putting in running back talent into the NFL. Um, and we're also going to talk about Xavier and Xavier Hutchinson, too. Uh, I don't think anyone has him above, like, a third of day three grade. So he's not, like, a high-profile guy we're really looking at. Um, but – the opportunities are there to open up. Their quarterback is Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy is also gone. Is that correct? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Okay. So it's almost a whole new system there. So the question is, is again, who's the next man up, right? So for me, for running back, just going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this first name, but his last name is Brock. Is it 
Jarrell? I think it's Jarrell. That's how I've always said it, and that's how I've heard others say it. Yeah. Okay. And he's also he's also the fourth leading receiver on the team, which I think is very sad. Uh, but Jarrell Brock looks to be set up to take over the Iowa State running back room. I don't know if his ceiling is even close to what um, to what Brees Hall is, but I think I feel confident that he's the next guy up to be the the number one there, and so you can get production at least on the college side for sure. Yeah, he's kind of been tabbed for a couple years now to be the next guy. Just a couple other names to throw out there because they are gutting the entire offense. Uh, Hunter Deckers is a guy to pay attention to a quarterback. I'm not necessarily a huge fan, but he is like a Josh Allen-ish kind of player where the dude just has an absolute cannon. Um, accuracy, really big question marks. Decision-making, really big question marks. But but he's going to be the next guy up. They don't have anybody else on the roster. Uh, it's definitely him. They do have two true freshman running backs coming in this year that I do like a decent amount. This is a really, really strong running back class. Um, like, just it blows last year out of the water. Cartavius Norton is kind of the bigger uh, back that I think would be there. He's 5'11", 210. He has a little Tank Bigsby to his game coming out of high school. And I don't think he's that level of player. I had Tank Bigsby rated uh, significantly higher than him. Uh, but stylistically, kind of similar to that. Like they're, They don't necessarily have that great of a feel for the running back position. They don't necessarily know. I always I kind of use this metaphor. Like they don't know what tool necessarily to use in their toolbox at times. Like they'll be physical when they can just like juke a guy or, you know, or vice versa. So he's still kind of learning those things. But stylistically, like I, I sat down and watched him and I was like, this dude looks like Brees Hall, like that one cut, like slash and go kind of guy. Like, I think he falls into that bucket very, very well. So I think that he's a guy that can come in there and maybe be the Jarrell Brock to Brees Hall. Like he can kind of be that next guy there. And then they do have Xavier Townsend as well. Who's more of a, a satellite back uh, 5'10", 180 coming in there out of Florida. One of the better, in my opinion, receiving backs in the, in this class um, who's very, very dynamic. So this offense could look completely different. Like maybe they they rotate a couple backs instead of relying on one. You know, the offense is funneled through the tight end. Maybe they don't do that so much over the next couple of years. So I think it's going to look vastly different. Which positions are involved, I think, is a really big question that we don't have an answer to yet. Yeah, and then for receiver for me, I'm looking at Jalen Noel. Now, <laughs> I'm not like feeling super confident about Jalen Noel here as my pick. Uh, I think he's a freshman. Yeah, he's a freshman. He saw 34 receptions for 211 yards. That's a 6.2 average, which I just don't feel like I've ever seen that low before in my life. Um, his first five weeks, he saw a total of five catches. But after that, he was probably hitting, he was like 5 2 2, 5 5 7 3. So he's kind of a little, a little more consistent as a slot guy. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback there in the future. I'm not really feeling confident, but at least seeing a freshman that produces makes you know that he's not a year one zero, a first year zero. I don't feel confident projecting any wide receivers on that team. If you had to spend one, I guess Noel's as good of a bet as any. Um, I would try to kind of focus on the running backs there personally and then see what happens from there. They do have Daniel yeah. Jackson, who I know was kind of a Debbie darling a year or two ago when he came out, not the Daniel Jackson that's at Minnesota. They came out in the same class. It was very confusing. Um Fan tracks had one and not the other. It was like a whole thing. Um, but he's another name that just, you know, could be a guy to step up after like, you know, I think I think this will be his third year. So it, it's time if he's going to do something. All right. So Iowa, just running backs. Stick to the running backs. Yes. All yes, right. pretty much. All right. This next one's a little more, a little easier. It's going to be Texas A&M, right? We're losing Isaiah Spiller to the draft. 
Um, he already splits the backfield right now, which if for some people that's a red flag. Uh, for others, that's like a really good sign for this next incoming running back here. It's going to be Devin Achin. And I, I'm i a really big fan of Devin Achin here. I really am. I know he's outside, I want to say, of like everyone's top five for next year. Um, he's kind of like the RB5 to 10 category. But I think he's somebody that once Spiller leaves, and it looks like Texas A&M has a really nice class coming in, even if quarterbacks. It's just Texas A&M is just trending upward. That I think Devin Achin could probably be like this year's uh, Kenneth Walker or Javante Williams, where he's that guy that just boosts his draft stock. Yeah, um, I, I think Achain is too small to ever be a lead back in the NFL. He can have a role. Um, I'm skeptical. Like he, he just doesn't have a lot of frame left to work with. And I don't like. I think he's listed at 195 or something. I don't think he's 195. If I had to guess, I would guess he's closer to 185. Um, so I do like him, especially like as a, you know, if you're playing any sort of college fantasy next year, I think he's a big producer. A couple of names I think should be on your radar. LJ Johnson, uh, was my RB three. I think he was probably the consensus RB three last year. I don't remember there being a ton of other kids uh, that you would think of in front of him last year, Five ten, two ten ish. He's built like a, a, a three down kind of back, really, really dynamic player. Um, should have every chance in the world to take that role. Then they do have a true freshman coming in this year as well, Le'Veon Moss, um, who you know had offers from every big school under the sun, chose Texas A&M. I think he's the RB6 in the composite this year. Um, a little bit, he's six foot 190, so we need to gain a little bit of weight, but 190 we can work with. Um, so uh, those are both guys that I think, but depending on what happens, could see some run. I would expect Johnson, but don't sleep on Moss either. Okay, I actually looked up his weight. I'm a big weight guy for running backs. I get a lot of flack for it, and I, it's 185. He's listed at 185. Oh, it is okay. Okay, that's okay. I thought he was listed you at know. 195, and I thought he was closer to 185. Even so lighter, yeah. yeah. That that instantly makes him off my board right away. So I take yeah. back what like, I said. He can can he get Kenny Gainwell value at the next level? Yeah, no, sure. Why not? I yeah. just I like, that's not a guy that I'm gonna you know spend Pursuit. significant amounts to to add to rosters. Right, he's like a fourth round rookie like draft yeah. grade for me. Yeah, know? pretty much. Okay, I'm definitely with you on that. <laughs> he's fat. Right. I mean, dude's like a, like a track star, though. I mean, he's he's fast. Yeah, he's got some big games too. All right, let's let's talk about um, Michigan State University or Kenneth Walker. Um, I'm pretty against Kevin Walker. I'm not a Kenneth Walker fan. Uh, I'm probably gonna do a thread on him, and I'm like prepared to get a lot of hate on him on Twitter. Uh, but he was a Heisman finalist. He's pretty much the identity of Michigan State's offense, and he's leaving. Um, and so I wonder now if Michigan State just transfers, like, not transfers, but uh, converts to just doing like a run-first offense. Like they just now they just commit to that being their new identity since they just found success in it. And uh, I believe they're getting transfer what Jalen Berger, who was definitely hyped up at Wisconsin right before he lost the job to Braylon Allen. And I that's who I have as my as my next man up. But I think it's just a fresh start in the system. I don't know who's currently on Michigan's roster that he could lose the job to, but I think it's on a wide open competition. Yeah, there are some rumors about some other names. Like I don't I don't feel that good about any of the other backs that are on the roster. Elijah Collins was a thing for a hot second a couple years ago, but has not looked good in opportunity the past couple years. So I think Berger has the inside track. Just a name to watch out for though. Uh Andrew Paul is going to be a true freshman next year, has not committed anywhere yet. This guy had like three offers like a month ago. I sat down and watched him. He's like he was like the third leading receiver in all of Texas football, this high school football this year at a 6A, like a giant school program. I was like, 
and he's good. I was sitting there, I was like, what? This kid's like the RB90 in the composite. Like, what are we doing here? And then since, like, the past couple of weeks, I don't know where the steam came from, but he's gotten offers from Clemson, Michigan, Michigan State, um, and, and a couple others as well. I've heard whispers that Michigan State is the spot, and if he were to go there, I would not necessarily feel that bad about guessing that he gets that job over Jalen Berger because uh, Berger just has that stiff, upright running style that I don't love in a running back. I just I think it rarely works out. The two, the only two guys I can think of really that have worked out in recent times, James Conner and Adrian Peterson to an extent, but Adrian Peterson was just such a freak that it doesn't, the rules do not apply to him. So oh. like it's, it, it's a very uncommon stylistic way to go. Right. I got you. Yeah. I, I just, I can't wrap my head around Kenneth Walker. Like I know he's listed at like 210, which is the threshold for like a workhorse running back in NFL. And that's like the size line is 210 and up is like good but like when i watch him play like he just has a smaller frame i don't really see i don't see how he weighs 210 like i don't get it i i, I should have just don't get it and then it's a verified 210 too so like, i'm just i'm just smoking someone over here on my end but, i think he looks like at least 205 and 208 is my personal cutoff i know that doesn't seem like a very big difference but um so so yeah i mean i i think he'll he'll easily weigh in at that at the combine whatever he actually yeah. ends up weighing i don't know but all right all right, well, we're here at the hour mark. This is like our threshold here. Um, I want to talk about next week's episode uh, or whenever I do it next time because this is Debbie Friday. We don't do it on Fridays. It's just whenever I feel like it. Huh. So, yeah, you know. Um, so uh, next week, I actually want to talk about um, – we just gave you the hypothetical next man up. Me, again, looking at it from the Boshworth perspective. Austin looking at it from a more experienced perspective and gave a little more in-depth detail. But I actually want to go back now after all these bowl games are over and actually highlight guys who never had the opportunity who actually stepped up in the bowl game. And that's going to be our next topic for uh, at Dynasty Kings here on our Debbie Friday episode. Um, Austin, I want to thank you for coming on. Did you want any closing words here? Any messages you want to tell the audience? No, just thanks so much for having me on. I, uh, I, I'm happy to be here, happy to talk football, and uh, love working with you. Looking forward to the off season here. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I secured my job for the next month. Good night.